which platform is worth investing the time in. Now, for me right now, it's LinkedIn all day long. LinkedIn's massive. And the organic reach that you can get on LinkedIn is just ridiculous. And I get a lot of leads from LinkedIn. So I'd be thinking, okay, what kind of content could do well on there? How can I link that back to the business? So my last few posts, a sneaky call to action on all of those has been to follow our Moja page on LinkedIn. And we've seen a difference in the increase in numbers. So I'd be doing that. And welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. If you're listening to this live and you weren't in Edinburgh yesterday, then I have bad news. I'm afraid you've missed Adventures in Marketing 2024. Oh dear. But wait, I have great news. Super early bird tickets for Adventures in Marketing 2025 are now on sale, but only until Valentine's Day. We know you're going to love this event. So head over to adventuresinmarketing.uk right now and snap up your ticket at the lowest possible price. And I'll see you there. Now back to the show. And on today's episode, I'm chatting to Sophie Milliken. Sophie has built, sold and continues to build businesses, including Moja, her modern PR agency, where she and her team help their clients to raise their professional profile. I met Sophie on the very first Female Entrepreneur Association retreat in Mallorca in 2017 when I had only just set up this business and was still juggling it with my first business. Sophie, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. You are so welcome. So let's just dive straight in. Profile raising. What does that mean for your clients? What are they hiring you to do? So I think the best way to sum it up is that if you were to Google one of our clients, all the stuff that should pop up should be the kind of things that we've helped to put there. And it should be a variety of things because the reason why I call it profile raising rather than personal branding, which is probably a term that people are more used to, is that personal branding has got some negative connotations to it. And people often think that it's just about social media. And for me, social media is the method or the channel to amplify all the cool stuff that you're doing. But you can't just do the social media because it's too fluffy. And if you do a banging LinkedIn post or Instagram post, it's old news within you know days or a week or something. So it's the substance that you'll find on Google for years to come. So think awards, books, speaking opportunities, events, podcasts, all those sorts of things. So a lot more to it. And then it is underpinned by press and PR as well. So when there's a news story to get out for our clients, that's when we'll push it out. But we don't want to be this PR machine. You know, a more traditional agency would just constantly pop out press releases each month. And there's no point because it's a bit boring and it doesn't get picked up. So work on all the other stuff. So talk to me about books. I didn't actually know that you did that. We do. Yeah, we do do that. So with books, we help our clients They've usually got an idea, actually, to be fair. I think everyone's got a book in them and people tend to have an idea as to what they want it to be about. Or they might have a couple of ideas and it might be that they've got a heart book and a head book and they're not sure which one to go with. And having written a couple myself, I'd go do both of them, but think strategically about the order in which you do them based on what's going to benefit you and the business. So yeah, we tend to help them with the book planning side of things. So we'll do a workshop with them to to get that idea out, to help them plan the skeleton of their book, to keep them accountable because 
once they've got that plan, they're so excited and they're raring to go and they want to go off and write it in a weekend or whatever. And then, you know, their business beckons and they get distracted and we've got to kind of keep tapping them on the shoulder and saying, right, you said you can have 5,000 words for me by next week. Where are they? And just kind of keep on at them with that. So quite often we'll say to clients, right, put it out there and tell everyone that you're doing it. Create a waiting list for, for the book, for the book launch. And that makes them a bit accountable as well because they've put it out there publicly. Absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, we want to just make sure that they get it done and then we can support them with getting it published, but also with the launch and how to leverage the launch so that they've got really cool people coming along to that and they can create business opportunities off the back of it. Brilliant. So when you say help them get it published, is that self-publishing? Do you work with publishing houses? How does that all work? They've got a choice, right? So if they want to try and get a traditional publishing contract, then we could help them put the pitch together for that. And I'm always a bit apprehensive, and you'll know this, that doing that, it's very long-winded. You're then guided by that company. They usually want the person to have a really high profile already, and our clients are typically not quite at that point. So although we can advise on that, we could do that. The reality is it's probably not the best option for most of our clients. Then on the other end of the scale, you've got the self-publishing, so we can support and guide and point them in the right direction for that. Or you've got a hybrid office. So we've got a partnership with a hybrid publisher that we can hook them up with. But we are exploring how we set something up ourselves because I think we're probably missing a trick at the moment not to do that. So I think we'll probably try it out with my next book and see how it goes and if it's good enough for our clients. Great. Okay, so you mentioned events as well. Where do you think things are at right now when it comes to business events? Are you in favour of in person or are you still enjoying the online? I hate online events. (laughs) I really hate it. I don't know, like, am I an extrovert or an introvert? Like, I don't really know. I think I'm different on different days and different situations. But for me, I do get energy from people. It wears me out as well, but I do get energy from spending time with people. And it's not quite the same when it's online. It's just not the same. And I think that coming out of the pandemic and actually the first proper event that I went to was the launch party for Moja. And I remember doing a little impromptu speech at it and thinking, wow, this is actually the first time I've spoken in public to people, actual people for two years or whatever it was at that point. And it was really nice because I was seeing in the flesh people that I knew or people that I knew of. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think every time I do go to an event, it's those conversations, the side conversations that you just don't have in the same way that you do online. It's just a different dynamic. And I think you can engage better with the body contact, the uh, body, body contact, we were, (laughs) body language and the eye contact in a way that you can't quite with online. So for me, I would always go for in person over online. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, my business evolved so much, as you know, during lockdown, as all of ours did. And I was very much an in-person person and then very much became an online person. And the joy of going back to seeing people in the flesh, having like, I love the way you described it, those side conversations that just don't happen. That is so true. That is where the gold is. You know, the speakers are almost the cherry on top of the cake if you're going to an event, aren't they? And it's all these amazing conversations that you have with the other attendees who you maybe would never have crossed paths with if you hadn't decided to get out from behind your desk. I totally agree. And I think I'm being a lot more intentional around events now. I've done a bit of work with a lady that we work with through the business who is a networking 
guru and she's really got me thinking about the different types of people you meet at different events and what events you should lend your time to because you know we could all be busy fools going to every networking event go in or any conference or whatever but actually you've got to get some kind of a return from that and I was thinking uh, I was actually chatting to our CFO last week about wanting to do some analysis around where do our clients come from where did we find them and I'm almost convinced and I do need to go and do that research but I'm almost convinced that most of our clients I think our top lead generations actually through going to events and specifically events related to awards which I would never have guessed had I not started looking into it going oh well I met this person at this awards and I think for me awards have sort of been a big strategy of mine forever but I'm way more planned out with what I want to get from them so whereas in my first business when we were applying for awards and getting shortlisted the motivation there was to take the team out and have a few drinks and celebrate and celebrate with the team. Now, I will try and get hold of the attendance list before I go and I'll think, who do I want to go and speak to and why? It might be sort of for a partnership or a collaboration opportunity. It might be as a potential client. And I just seem to be picking up loads of clients through awards, which is mad. That's so interesting and just shows why it's worth making the effort. If you are shortlisted, it's not all about whether you're going to win or not, is it? Definitely. I think it's about the community building. So going for awards where there's that community element, but also it's the networking. Massive. Okay, so small business owners who might be listening and maybe are not yet at the stage of investing in an agency, either like yours or like mine, what clever things can they do themselves to raise their own profile? Well, they should totally be subscribing to my podcast, Beyond the Bio, because (laughs) every week I'm covering a small element of profile. And what I've started doing in the last few weeks So it comes out on a Monday and on a Thursday, I'm doing like a recap episode, which is a four or five minute episode with an action point. So go do this. So obviously I'd be missing a trick if I didn't promote that. We've also got some free resources on our YouTube channel. We've got some masterclasses that will show people how to do things. But I guess if I was advising someone, what can you do for free that's going to make an impact? I'd probably be looking at awards as a strategy. So looking at where you're going to get in front of the right people and looking strategically at those awards. And it doesn't mean that you have to pay for them. You know, there's loads of free awards and in fact, most should be. But you're obviously you're going to have to pay to attend. So you'd have to bear that in mind in terms of cost. The other things I would be looking at would be social media. So that online presence. So which platform is worth investing the time in? Now, for me right now, it's LinkedIn all day long. LinkedIn's massive. And the organic reach that you can get on LinkedIn is just ridiculous. And I get a lot of leads from LinkedIn. So I'd be thinking, okay, what kind of content could do well on there? How can I link that back to the business? So my last few posts, a sneaky call to action on all of those has been to follow our Moja page on LinkedIn. And we've seen a difference in the increase in numbers. So I'd be doing that. I'd also be looking at speaking at relevant events. So I'd be approaching event organizers and I'd be creating a fab speaker pack or even just a bio and some nice images and some testimonials from previous speaking things. And if you're someone that hasn't spoken at any events, go and practice by volunteering to speak at schools or universities where it doesn't matter so much if you fluff it and have your practice and cut your teeth with that. But then I'd be then thinking, who is it that I need to get in front of? Where's that audience hanging out? And really pushing it with some, yeah, politely with the event organizers to see if you can get a slot there. Because if you can get in front of a great audience, not only is it going to bring business leads, but it's going to raise your profile because you'll be featured in all of their social media. You'll be able to talk about it on yours. So there'd be some real quick wins on that one as well. So let's talk about events from a financial 
perspective because I feel like right now there are two types of events or two types of opportunities when it comes to events. One is what you've just spoken about, where you've got speakers who really want the opportunity to get onto that stage. And the other one is where you've got event organizers who really want to attract a certain caliber of speakers to come and speak on their stages. And what I'm finding really interesting, and I don't know if this is a generational thing in terms of how people set their businesses up, but sometimes it's hard to know, should the event organizer be paying somebody to come and speak on their stage? Or should the potential speaker actually expect to have to pay to get a place on that stage? What are your thoughts around this? I think that's a real hot topic at the moment. And I've got really mixed views on it. So we've got a client that paid quite a lot of money to go and speak at an event. And I was like, whoa, I've never, well, I had heard of that, but I didn't know anyone that had ever done it. Now, it was very well attended, but it's too early to see whether that's actually converted into any business for us. So I guess the jury's still out for me on that. I mean, it's a commercial opportunity, isn't it, for some of these conferences where they know that actually by speaking, you're going to generate leads. So I can understand why they would want to monetize that. However, it doesn't completely sit that well with me if someone is organizing an event that they are charging for. And then there's often ones where they'll expect you to speak for free and there'll be pros and cons as to why you would do that. But to then ask you to pay for it just feels a bit like, whoa, uh, I don't know. So I would never have an event where I would charge someone to speak. I just don't think that would sit right with me. I think in terms of evaluating whether you, well, so you would need to decide whether there's a win in that. And if that was something that someone was thinking about doing, I would definitely look at who has previously spoken and contact them from a year or two years before and say, what did you get from that? Is it worth it? And they'll tell you. So that would be what I would do. And then I think in terms of whether you speak for free or you get a fee, my criteria now around speaking, and I'm in a fortunate position in that I get approached to speak at a lot of things. I would only go and speak at something now for free if it related to the charity that I chair. And we'd usually try and get a donation. So we'd still get some financial benefit from that. Or it's going to get me 100% in front of the people that I need to be in front of that I know I'll be able to kind of bring in in some way. Now, quite often you think that might happen and then it doesn't. So I'm really, really, really evaluating these opportunities now as they come in. The other things that I think about are how long is it going to take me to get there? Is it somewhere that's miles away? Is it going to cost me money? Are they going to cover my expenses? Do I need to do any preparation for this event? Is it an all day thing that I'm expected to be there all day? So I would factor all of those things in because I've got a couple of talks now that I could pick up now and go and deliver next door right this second. So you need to factor that in. But then on the fee side, you know, when I'm approached to speak at something where I think I'm probably not going to get anything from that, or I might, but I don't know. And I know that they're probably, particularly when they're charging a fee for it, or it might be a big corporate or something, then I just tell them what my fee is because. It's my time to do that and, you know, I'll put everything into it, probably a bit extra if I'm going to get paid for it as well. So I think you've got to weigh all of those options up and think about what is truly in it for you because I think the days of just rocking up and speaking somewhere for free without getting something from it in some way, even if it's just professional photos that you're going to get back and a testimonial, there's value in that. Absolutely, or a video or whatever assets you can get from that. I think it's a really contentious issue. So I'm keeping an eye on how it evolves like you. <laughs> Let's talk about investing in yourself, Sophie, because obviously we met on the FEA retreat. That was an investment. And then 
we have also invested in the same program at different points in our business journey. So what are some of the programs or resources that you feel have delivered the best return for you so far? So I'm a fan of always learning because we, we've always got something to learn. Things move on and we're never at the finished article. And I think by making investments in programs, whatever type of program that might be, it's opening your mind to other things and it's bringing different perspectives and ideas back to the business. So I'm a big fan and every year I commit to doing something and it might not be traditional in terms of a masterclass or a program or whatever. You know, at the moment I'm doing a PhD part-time, so I'm going back to more traditional formal learning and that's going to keep me busy for quite a while. But I guess it's identifying the things that are relevant to you at the point in your journey that you're at. So when we met on the Female Entrepreneur Association retreat 2017, I think I must have joined maybe a year before. And I think for some people that retreat would have felt like quite a big investment. It wasn't for me, it was fine, it was affordable. So I wasn't kind of going into debt to go to that. And what I wanted to get from that was time away to think about the business while I wasn't in it and to hang out with some cool women. So it totally ticked both of those boxes for me. If I was looking at that exact same retreat right now with the same content, it wouldn't be right for me because I'm in a completely different place. But for some people that, you know, not that that exists in the same way, but for some people that would be right. Then I would say probably the game changer one for me was Key Person of Influence, which I did in 2018, 2019. And I think that that came at a really good time for me because I set my first business up with a co-founder and he left in 2016 or 17, actually. It might have been just before I went on that retreat. And I was in a different role because it was completely my business at that point. And I think what that program did was it was an in-person program at that point. And I was in a room every month for six months with high energy, enthusiastic, passionate, very driven, very vision focused entrepreneurs from all around Europe. And it was like, whoa, I've come to a place where these people are like me and maybe even more so. Whereas I was always probably the most ambitious person in my group locally. These were just all like really big players or wanted to be big players. And it was a different energy. And there's loads of things out there, isn't there, that says, you know, you become the sum of the people that you hang out with. And I think, you know, who you surround yourself with. I talk often about radiators and drains, you know, the drains that sort of zap my energy. And, you know, I've got a friend that's had the same job since we left uni and hates it and moans about it all the time. And I find that when I speak to her about work, it's a bit draining. Or if I go and speak to my mum, that drains me and I have to lie down for a bit. But, you know, hanging out with high energy business people fills me up and gets me excited about things. And I think there's a lot of value in that. So, For me, that program came at a really, really key point as I was gearing up to sell that business. And it's led to the creation of the business I've got now, really, because I started really focusing on my profile around the time. I'd been doing it for a while before I went on that program, but I hadn't really been aware of what I was doing. I just knew that stuff I was doing was working, the activities I was doing. That program for me joined the dots and maybe be more intentional and have a plan around it. So key person of influence led by Daniel Priestley, has definitely been the best investment that I've made in my business for all the reasons that you've stated. Although by the time I came to do it, we had one in person and then it was lockdown. So that was unfortunate. 
What is next for you, Sophie? You just always have something up your sleeve. I just never know what you're going to do next. But I know it's always going to work really well. (laughs) Well, I've got a funny year ahead because I'm calling this my year of no, where I actually say no to as much as I can. I even went to a roundtable discussion about saying no last week, which was hilarious. So my challenge is that I do say yes to a lot of things. And then, you know, I hit burnout last year for sure and just felt really run down. And I don't want to hit that again. And I really want to scale Mojo and make Mojo really successful. So that's got to be my focus. So I've now got my year of no. I've got this flow chart that I follow that makes me say no to everything. And I said no to four things last week that saved me three days of future time in my diary. So I'm starting to see the benefits and I can see gaps in my diary. Like I literally have months with no gaps. So this year is the year of no. What that will then help me to do is I want to focus more on the podcast because I'm really enjoying that and it's doing well, which is awesome. So actually, my next project is going to be to create a book of the same name. So beyond the bio, the book will be coming at some point this year. I need to carve out meaty time to do that. We're looking at creating some courses that go alongside the content, so all the areas of profile. So it will feel really joined up because I'd have the book, the podcast, the courses, and then we've got the agency as well where we do it for people. So I feel like I've got a really clear path of stuff that I want to get done this year. And my year of no is going to enable me to have the time to get that done. I love that phrase. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And likewise, obviously, it works the other way around. So you're saying no to filling your diary so that you can say yes to your future success, I guess. Absolutely. And it's a first for me because my natural reaction is normally to say yes to everything. And I can't. I haven't got time. Great. So let's put you a year ahead of where we are today. And you've mentioned your book. Is there anything else that you would love to have achieved and be reflecting on at that point? Ooh, a year from now. I'd love the book to have come out, had a successful launch, hit the bestseller list, the podcast to be doing really well and to be able to somehow, I don't quite know how I track this, but to see them both bringing an audience to the other. I want the agency to be at a point where a year from now, I'd say 40 retained clients in the agency the suite of courses launched so that we've got the online side of things and seeing, you know, steady sales coming through there. And that's probably enough <laughs> to be fair in a year. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to have to say no to a lot of things to say yes to all of that. You have a team helping you as well, don't you? I do. Yeah, I do have a team. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, brilliant. So hopefully people have heard a few different places where they can find you, but where would you like them to come and find you first? Well, I'm most visible on LinkedIn. That is definitely my platform. I also enjoy Instagram and I'm also on Twitter slash X as well. Still hanging out on there. Toughing it out. (laughs) I am because there's some good stuff on there. I'm not as visible as I used to be on there. I used to post like multiple times a day. I don't now, but I've still got a soft spot for it. So yeah. Keeping it in for now. Saying yes for now. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Sophie. Some really interesting insights into your strategy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. so much for joining us for today's episode of the audience growth podcast as you heard us discussing during this episode getting yourself out into the world and into rooms full of opportunity is an essential part of raising your profile that will lead to business growth you can make 
all of these things happen when you come to Adventures in Marketing 2025, where you will be in a room full of possibilities and opportunities. Buy your ticket before the 14th of February 2024. If you're listening to this in real time, that's just five days from now, and you'll be able to join us for the lowest possible price. I can't wait to see you there. Before then, we're back in our regular schedule of Friday podcasting, so I'll see you back here next Friday for my first solo episode in a while. I'll be talking about how to generate real insights that are going to fuel your marketing strategy and help you make more sales. I'll look forward to seeing you back here next Friday, live from 7am. Until then, take care and keep marketing.